When I was 32 years old, I met the man of my dreams. He was funny and talented and wild and charming, and he knocked me off my feet. I introduced him to my sister and brother two days after we hooked up, and we were inseparable for the first six months of our relationship. We moved in together after only five weeks, and it was all things obsession, lust, and falling in love. We were living a fun and ridiculous life, staying out late, patio drinks at noon, concerts, karaoke, movie marathons, and flaunting our love wherever we'd go. We had our very own CD listening parties, accompanied by multiple bottles of wine and beer. We'd sit on the floor in front of the stereo and wax poetic about the artist and their art, and we'd sometimes be quiet, and then we'd make out, and then we'd eat takeout, rinse and repeat. We were living in a state of blissful ignorance. There was no real world outside our door. We didn't think about the future. We only cared about the moment we were in, and we thought nothing would ever snap us out of our fantasy. And then I missed my period. I'm Jenny B, and this is it, actually. This is it, actually. Take a sip and grab a seat, cause this is it. I didn't think I was going to have kids, not because I didn't like them or I never imagined them in my life, but mostly because I was pretty consistently single for most of my 20s and everyone was getting married and I had friends that fully knew they were going to have a family come hell or high water. I was not that girl. My brother and I used to do this totally jerky thing where whenever one of our nieces or nephews or a random little kid on the street would do a typically annoying little kid thing, we'd turn to each other and smugly say, reason number 33 not to have kids. Ugh, it's so pompous and arrogant. And thank goodness we have understanding siblings because they actually would just laugh it off and go back to dealing with their annoying kid, although I'm sure they wanted to smack us on several occasions. So when my missed period turned into a double pink line on the pregnancy stick, turned into a positive from my doctor on the urine test, I was, to be honest, pretty much horrified. Now listen, in terms of my age and the stage I was at in my new career, by all intents and purposes, it was a totally fine time to have a baby. But I was living in a one-bedroom apartment with three other tenants in the house, I barely had any savings. I was just starting out in my career, and I was loving the late nights and all the schmoozing. I wore rock t-shirts and crop tops, and sometimes I had cereal for dinner. And for God's sake, I was wearing Invisalign braces. (laughs) And also, the truth is, I was still fresh in my hot new relish, and I didn't really want that to change. I remember crying to my doctor and listing off all of these reasons and a ton more as to why I couldn't possibly be pregnant, and she just smiled and grabbed my hand in hers and said, Jenny B, there's never a good time to have a baby. I went home completely freaked out. I cried and sighed, and I got myself sick with worry. I didn't tell anyone. Once I settled down a bit, we weighed out the pros and cons, and honestly, the cons were heavily outweighing the pros, but I suppose we can make our lists look however we want them to, and I think I was already pretty predetermined that I was not ready. So I called my doctor and asked her how someone goes about scheduling an abortion. I don't know how I feel about that now. I can very easily take myself back to that moment in time, and I remember my fear and the worry And obviously life worked out the way it was supposed to, but now that I have kids and I think about all the things that I've come up against, I wonder if I would have been okay. What would the outcome have been? Where would we have landed? But sometimes our bodies make decisions for us. 
I wasn't feeling great for a couple of days and I kind of chalked it up to the heat and not feeling super hungry and, well, being pregnant. I had no idea what it felt like to be pregnant, but I figured it was morning sickness that was lasting all day. We weren't Googling things back then, so I wasn't even sure if morning sickness could start that early in a pregnancy. I really didn't want to go much further. I hated that I was feeling things, and at that point, I really just wanted to go back to my former life. That may sound selfish and immature, but it was my truth. One afternoon, while I was sitting at work, I started to feel really sick. There was no one in the office because our show was on summer hiatus, and I'd been asked to stay and answer phones and collect mail and do other basic office duties. It was a pretty sweet gig. I rolled in at 10, and I was out by 4, and I played my music loud. I ate takeout on the balcony, and I got to know all the delivery people, and I had the whole place to myself. But man, at that moment, I wished more than anything that someone else was around. In a cruel twist of fate, my then-boyfriend was promoting his latest album with the band he was in. That particular week was all about appearances at local radio stations and morning shows, and on that very day, he was to appear on Much Music for a live interview and performance. I was literally watching him on TV as the pain in my stomach and head started to escalate. I felt super weak and it was hard to get off the chair, but I felt like I was going to throw up, so I wobbled my way to the washroom. I went to lean over the toilet seat when I realized it wasn't barfing I needed to do. It was bleeding. I watched what felt like my whole insides pour out into the toilet. It was like the worst period I ever had times a thousand. I was sitting alone inside a tiny office bathroom, crying and scared. Once I thought the worst of it was over, it wasn't, by the way, I balled up a bunch of toilet paper and put it in my underwear and crawled back out to my desk. I called my boyfriend's cell phone and left a message. He wasn't on TV anymore, but I knew he had more interviews in the same building, and he likely wouldn't be checking his voicemail. We weren't texting back then, or maybe it was the old T9 keyboard, but I wasn't really skilled in that department on my pink flip phone, plus the whole bleeding through my shorts thing, so I was a little bit hooped. I ended up calling the main line of Much Music and somehow got to someone who knew things, and through the jigs and the reels, they managed to track him down. Within 20 minutes, he was double parked outside my work, and he actually picked me up, like physically picked me up from leaning on the wall at the side of the building and carried me into our truck. We went straight to a merge, and they checked my vitals, and they gave me an ultrasound, and I was told that I was having a miscarriage. They suspected the worst of it was over, and they told me to go home and rest. My boyfriend was supposed to leave to go on a small tour, but he canceled and stayed home with me instead. I kept quiet about it for a day or so, and the bleeding did eventually slow down, but man, those few days were really, really intense. I was so unprepared for the intensity of that whole experience, both physically and emotionally. I mean, are we ever really prepared for big life-changing moments that come at us without warning? Of course not. But I suppose if you'd asked me before it happened how I could have guessed I would feel if I ever had a miscarriage... Well, it definitely wouldn't have been how I actually ended up feeling. I felt empty and alone and a little like a shell of my former self. It's kind of like I'd been hollowed out, if that makes sense, and I could feel it. I think it was probably the start of me wondering about kids and maybe the end of the dumb reasons not to have kids jokes. My boyfriend turned into my husband and I'd say it definitely brought us closer, but it also shone light on all the differences we had. 
I think even then, before our first daughter was born, I knew that there was a possibility we may not end up together. Isn't that crazy? I can only see that now, of course, but big events can reveal big truths, even lots of years later. I still think about what life would have looked like if that pregnancy had stuck and I chose to have a baby then. My doctor's words still ring in my ear. It makes me thoughtful, but I know the universe had a different plan for me, and now they're 15 and 12, and the girl who was never going to be a mom is doing it all by myself, and is it weird to say, I can't imagine it any other way. I was never really sure if I wanted to have kids. And then when I met my husband, when we were both 30, I started to come around on the idea. And after a couple of years of being married, we decided to just like pull the goalie and see what happens. And lo and behold, I got pregnant on the first try. He had just lost his job right before we found out, and I had a feeling that my long-term contract wasn't going to renew the next year, so everything just felt really precarious. Not to mention that I had just drank an entire bottle of wine on the weekend at a party before I took the test, so that was kind of freaking me out. I started spotting a few weeks later, and it created a lot of mixed emotions. You know, maybe we dodged a bullet, but at this point we were both over 35, so maybe this was our last chance. I went in for an ultrasound to see what was going on, and since the embryo was still technically, like, alive, I had to keep living my life like I was pregnant, even though I kind of knew that it wasn't going to happen. I started bleeding more, and a few days later, it passed. It's really painful. People don't tell you just, like, even that early on, it's painful. Fast forward a year later, and we decided to give it another shot. And once again, first try, which is really messes with your brain when you're like, you know that Seinfeld bit where he makes a car reservation, but it's not there when he gets there, and he says... You seem to know how to make the reservation, but you don't know how to keep the reservation. That's what I feel like my uterus is like. It knows how to get pregnant. It doesn't know how to stay pregnant. This time I saw the heartbeat, which was like super exciting. And then a few weeks later, a month later, something like that, I started spotting again. And I just started a new contract at an office job. And I didn't want to tell anyone because I didn't really know them and it's it's really lonely. I went in for an ultrasound after work one day. My husband met me there. And it was so much worse, too, because it was a male technician, which I don't know if it was weirder that my husband was in the room or if it made me feel safer. But anyway, oh, lots to unpack there. <laughs> it took such a long time. And the tech was eerily silent. So I asked if he could tell me if there was a heartbeat. And he said, do you want there to be a heartbeat? And I said, yes. And and he shook his head no, and then he just quietly left the room. I promise this story has a happy ending. <laughs> anyway, a few days later, it was Thanksgiving Monday, and I started having contractions, and I passed most of it that night. But I had to go to, to work after that. I was bleeding through several pairs of pants. 
miscarriages are so lonely. I am very pro-choice. So there's this mental exhaustion of flipping your brain from thinking of it as just a group of cells and then trying to get excited by the thought of growing a baby. And then when you know you're going to lose it, you have to flip back again to only thinking of it as a group of cells. And it's really difficult to do. Anyway, it's super weird telling us right now, too, because I'm currently 33 weeks and the baby is doing really well. There have been no issues, knock on wood, and I have had a wonderful pregnancy so far. And it honestly makes me feel kind of guilty, but because um, so many people don't have great experiences with pregnancies. But I don't know, I tell myself that I paid my dues. <laughs> My doctor told me to give a little push, and with one push, Wesley arrived at 3.15 a.m. I saw my doctor examining his body, but I couldn't see Wesley past the blanket that they immediately placed on him. My doctor asked me for another push. It was the placenta's turn. Most of it came out on the first push. My doctor had to reach in for one small portion that had been left behind. And with that, just two little pushes and a lot of tears, our baby boy arrived in a quiet, dim hospital room. I was crying the entire time. They handed the baby to me in the pink and blue hospital blanket that you always get your babies in. I didn't think that I should have that blanket near me. I distinctly remember thinking, there's nothing to check on this baby. There's no need to suction him out, get a Dibron, nothing, he's dead. They had covered him in case I wanted to hold him but not see him. I decided in that moment that I did want to see him. I looked at his tiny face and could just barely make out features. They turned on one more light and I could see a little bit more. His closed eyes, ears that hadn't fully formed or lifted from the side of his head, a tiny nub of a nose and a slit for a mouth. He had fully formed hands with distinct long fingers. His toes almost looked like toes. His arms and legs were so terribly skinny. My doctor, again, offered some words of sympathy and probably some instructions, but I don't think I heard a thing he said. The nurses started getting me cleaned up, wiping away the blood and placing an ice pack underneath me. I lifted up my legs so they could put it under me, and I was shaking the entire time. They apologized over and over again for the cold, but I honestly didn't feel cold. The lower half of me was just shaking uncontrollably. They placed several blankets over me, and I was grateful for the weight on my legs. I sat there, staring at my baby, who would never take a breath, and I cried. We spent time with him for a little over four hours. My husband held him for a few minutes, but I could tell it made him uncomfortable, and I didn't blame him. Although there was nothing apparently wrong with Wesley's appearance, it was hard to look at him. Babies shouldn't come so small. We planned to tell everyone at Thanksgiving. We thought it would be fun as plates were being passed across the table to announce our happy news. It wasn't my first pregnancy. I had miscarried only a couple months earlier with twins. And even though I had miscarried once already, I was so hopeful for the new life that was inside me. I remember standing in my closet trying to pick out what I wanted to wear to dinner, wondering if I should wear the dress that showed off my small bump or maybe something a bit looser to make it more of a surprise. 
It was when I was in the closet that I felt the first cramp. Instead of an announcement, I ended up telling a nurse in triage that I was bleeding. They took me to a private room this time instead of the stretcher where I had miscarried before. The private room is nice, except it makes me feel like they're certain they're about to give me bad news. When the doctor came in, she turned off the lights and did the ultrasound in silence. I heard her sigh occasionally and the clicking of the photos that she was taking on the machine. I turned away from the monitor because I couldn't look. When she was done, she turned on the lights and sat on the edge of my bed. I pulled my knees up to my chest protectively, trying to shield myself from what I knew she was about to say. I'm sorry, I can't find a heartbeat. I don't really remember the hours after or even the days that followed. I just remember feeling like I was tumbling into a darkness that lasted for a very long time. Weeks, months, I'm not really sure. I just know that I felt very alone and very sad. I was only seven weeks pregnant and it didn't make sense to me that I was grieving so deeply for something that I knew was so small. It was the loss of hope. It was the loss of a future that I had planned. I didn't know much about miscarriages before I started having them, and I certainly didn't know that they were something to grieve. And had you asked me before if I would still be crying years later over the loss of something quite literally so small, I would have definitely said no. But that loss happened almost six years ago, and... I still feel the sadness in my heart and I can still remember how hopeful I felt. I think that what I've come to learn is the cost of loving something, even my seven-week-old baby, is grief. And I've learned to accommodate it, to honor it, and to hold it because there's nothing else I can really do. This is a tip, actually. You know what I really realized the most during my whole miscarriage experience? That the minute you start talking about your thing that you think is only your thing, you find so many people in the same situation. Once I had started to come back into the world a little bit, I called my sister and my mom and a couple close girlfriends to tell them what had happened. It was unreal to hear how many of them had miscarriages themselves or at least knew someone who did. All of the loneliness I was feeling suddenly lightened up. I remember thinking, why did I keep this to myself? We can only share if we're ready to, but throughout my life, and let's face it, it is the reason for this podcast, there is always a strength to be found in numbers. Thank you to Sarah, Joanne, and Alexia for sharing your really personal stories. I feel so honored that you would give me your words and trust me to put them in a safe place here with all the other lovely humans. Speaking of lovely humans, thank you for listening and giving me your time today. You can find me on Instagram at thisisitactually, on Twitter at thisisitactual, and if you'd like to send me a note, email me at thisisitactually at gmail.com. 
My new website is thisisitactually.com. Lots of fun things to come. Now go say something nice to someone. This is it, actually. Take a sip and grab a seat. Cause this is